This bonus series was made in collaboration with Philip Stauffer and Julie Maples from Firefly Ventures, a practical startup operator handbook to give our listeners a first-hand experience they can apply to their growing ventures. As a founder, you're always doing sales. And even if it's to a point where a round is raised and somebody with a, a different set of skills that's brought in as CEO, nobody can ever replace the founder. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Julie, welcome back to the next operational episode with you. Excellent. Great to be here. Quick intro. You are a co-founder and general partner at Firefly Ventures, through which you're investing in companies like Boundless, Rosalind AI, Mobi Systems, and many more. And you're also a board member at the V Foundation for Cancer Research. So today's topic is why every founder should have a sales job. We talked about fundraising before, so of course this is closely related, but it's also much more than just fundraising. Whether you're hiring talent, you're selling your company, or you're selling shares of your company to fundraisers, to investors, or of course your product because you want to win more clients. So if we focus on the latter, if you had to make a choice, just one choice is allowed, building or selling the product? That's a very tough one, I know. <laughs> well, I would see um, that the two are intertwined. Yeah. So yes, there's the sales part of fundraising, but the sales part of your product is very different. And when you think about a founder being part of the quote unquote sales process early on, uh, it's not the mechanics of a sales, right? It's not the process and, and building a pipeline. The early sales are really bringing on evangelists, right? Who, um, the, nobody is gonna see the feedback, the pure feedback and get, um, get these subtle messages from what they're hearing from customers uh, like the founder of a company. So they're gonna have intuition about comments or lack of comments um, or areas of product, product distinction or where the product roadmap should go that nobody else on the team will ever be able to see. Yeah. So a founder needs to be there to hear that themselves. Yeah, that's exactly why it's so crucial that you don't outsource that or just hire someone to do that. That's why you as a founder have to do these first sales, right? For sure. I mean, you have to be there to see the messages coming across somebody's face. You've got to see... If there's multiple people on a customer's team that is working with your product, you've got to see the body language that's going on or not going on between them. Right. And again, there's going to be um, uh, lessons learned coming out of those sessions that nobody else will, will be able to extract from it but the founder. Now, we might have some founders that say, I love building the product, but I absolutely don't like selling it. I'm so bad at sales or I just don't like it. What would you recommend to them? I would try to replace the word sales in some of those early customer meetings with something that's very different, with partnership, with mm -hmm. this is going to be your evangelist. This is going to be the person who's your biggest champion. Because when you make those early customers happy mm -hmm. and you learn from them 
what's working, what's not working. Not that you want to become a custom shop ever. You want to learn across a basket of customers. Um, but think of them as partners. Think of them as future champions, future evangelists. Right. Uh, and, and if they're not, that's a good lesson too, right? What, what have I not done for this set of customers that I should have um, that would have made it a better relationship, right? And or, and or not, maybe they're not just your customers, but either way, there's a lot of lessons learned there. 100%. And do you think it's also fair to say if you don't like sales or building these partnerships or early evangelists that you should maybe not be a founder? Is that too harsh of a statement? I think that you, even if you're a quieter person, even if you're an introvert, even if you have um, th those early those early relationships that are built, don't have to be quote unquote salesy or extroverted or over the top, or you don't have to be extremely charismatic. All you have to do is share your vision in an authentic voice yeah. and learn from the set of people or person that's across from you. Um, but nobody is going to learn the lessons that you are as a founder. And if you miss that opportunity, you're really, you're really missing an opportunity to improve your product, your service, your software, really a chance to impact your company in an in a exponential way, not just a linear way. I like what you just said. You said sharing your vision in an authentic way. Very often, founders that think that they are not good at selling but do exactly what you just said, sharing their vision, their product idea in an authentic way, they get tremendously valuable feedback and also acquire customers because they, they are down to earth. They don't try to sell you anything, but they just want to learn and, and get your feedback. And that actually can bring you way more customers than a very salesy approach. For sure. For sure. Now, we also briefly touched up on that before. Um, some companies think about outsourcing sales letting someone else doing the full sales process for you and just bringing you clients. In reality, that often doesn't really work as you might imagine at the beginning. You think it's uh, worth a try to test that out or is that a very bad idea early on? In my view, it is not a good idea at all. In my view, it is not a good idea. Again, it's an opportunity to um, learn in a in very rapid iteration, right? Mm -hmm. Which is burn rate. That's burn, that's months of cash. It's, it's so many things packed on top of what are those sort of key, key lessons learned. So there's a lot of implications for not doing it yourself. Yeah. And what about hiring a sales team where you say, well, I don't want to do it myself, so I just hire somebody. Is that the same thing? Later down the road, yeah. when, you're, when you have um, some version of product market fit when there are pieces that need to be instrumented, if you will, fine-tuned processes in place. Here's your sales. Here's your client services. Right. How does all that work together? For every salesperson I hire later down the road, you know exactly what the output is. Yeah. Um, but in the early days, it's not that way. In the early days, there's way too many lessons to be learned and value to, to be gotten out of having those meetings yourself. I know it sounds like we're repeating ourselves a bit, but this is so important because still many founders think, oh, this is the shortcut. I can just hire someone or outsource it and then we get there. You're not. You're just like letting someone else trying to solve the problem that you as a founder can probably solve best. That's right. I have one founder in particular. She comes to mind. She's The customers that we have now are signing over seven-figure deals. Mm -hmm. um, and yet they all go back 
to their origins of what a great listener she was. And, and not that she, again, did custom elements for these various large customers, but she l really learned from all of them and they noticed how much she was listening. And wow. as suggested before, these early customers are her biggest champions. And also one thing that I learned myself of being a founder is when you listen to your customers, you also start adopting the vocabulary that they use and are then actually without necessarily changing your product from a technical perspective, but just framing things differently to show them how you help them solve their biggest pain points and, and problems. And that's very powerful. For sure. That's a great point, Sylvan, because when you think about the person that's in the room with you or the set of people, and that they have to turn around and use your vernacular, not their own, it's harder for them to turn around and sell to a company or sell to whatever champions need to be bought in to buy your software or product. Exactly. Um, but if you help them in their own voice, it's going to be much easier for them to do that sales job internally. Absolutely. And now I also want to pick up on your example. How can I win my very first customers as a founder? Like one of the questions I often have to ask myself is, do I offer the product or the service that I'm creating? Do I offer it for free? Should I ask for a lower fee for the full fee that I have in mind? What is your recommendation on that one? Oh gosh, I just, one of my favorite um, people is Kyle Puller from OpenView. And I recently sent one of my founders, one of his favorite, my favorite pieces of his, which is that you, you actually, what, is it a freemium? Is it, you know, what are all the different models that you should use? And I love that there's one, which is you actually give away your premium product. And then after a certain amount of time, it goes to a freemium model, but you take away the premium aspects of your product. <laughs> I'm like, that is just brilliant. Yep. So um, that's one in particular that's just top of mind. But again, it, it does vary from company to company and the elements of your um, SaaS-based business, et cetera, et cetera. But that was one that was just top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I love that example, especially in the B2B enterprise uh, aspect. That's a very powerful example. Such a example. good one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, also when you do the, the early sales, should you reach out through your personal network to get the first sales in or should you do cold outreach to have a harder validation and more direct feedback from people that don't know you? What would you recommend? I would recommend a combination, which is mm -hmm. if there are direct relationships that you have that are people that can be utilizing your product or software and giving you early feedback. Um, but I would also cast that net a bit wider, which is, you know, who can you be introduced to so that your initial set of beta customers are across a basket or have a diverse range, not a huge range, but enough diversity amongst them that you're getting different feedback from those early customers than rather than a uniform basket of sort of the same cookie cutter type of customer. Right. Yeah. Good recommendation. Now we understand that it's super important to do sales as a founder. Now, if I don't think that I'm really talented at doing that, how do I get better? Do you have any tips or any resources that you can share for founders that want to get better at sales? I think one of the best sources of feedback and learnings for founders is other founders. Especially if, if you look to your ecosystem or community and there's somebody who's post, post a B round or post a C round or within your network, um, founders helping founders, they can do it like, you know, they're, they're standing in the same shoes. Yeah. So, and always, always want to take the time to turn around and, you know, put a hand out and pull somebody up with them. So I, you know, for me, founders are my best set of referrals. 
right? Because they're referring other founders to me in the seed stage. So I just see that as a very tight-knit community that um, is a good source of feedback and, well, frankly, to, you know, <laughs> commiserate with too, like when the process gets tough in the startups, which it inevitably always does. I love that because that's also the reason why you started the Founders Dinners with Swisspreneur to bring founders together to learn and exchange from each other. That's exactly the spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And last question here from my side, should I ever stop selling as a founder? Is there any point where you say, well, it's probably better that other people do the selling and I don't do that anymore? I think that as a founder, you're always doing sales. And even if it's to a point where a round is raised and uh, there's somebody with a, a different set of skills that's brought in as CEO, nobody can ever replace a founder. So nobody's ever going to be able to tell the story um, and to really, again, share that authentic vision of where it came from and, and where it is. So if, if you need to replace that word sales with evangelism, partnerships, yeah. whatever it needs to be, um, but never take that that unique role as a founder that you have for yourself, which is nobody will ever tell the story the way that you do. Yeah. Well said. Any last tip from your side that founders should consider or think of in regards to sales? I would say that the one parting thought might be that if you are a founder that's raised an A or a B round, and maybe it's your second time company, maybe it's your first company, but always remember to turn around and see who you might be able to help and lift up, um, no matter what stage you're at, right? There's always somebody that might be in your shoes or where you were a few years before or two startups before, but never forget to turn around and give back. No, that's a beautiful way to end the episode. Julie, thank you so much for participating in this series. And uh, we're very excited to see you again in the future. Great to be with you, Sylvan. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.